If you watched the Oscars recently, you may have been reminded of our culture's obsession with wealth, prestige, allure, glamour, and beauty. And there's an allure to it. There's a desirability to it, isn't there? It's easy to find ourselves saying, I want that for myself. I want to dress luxuriously and be noticed for my attractiveness. But friends, that kind of beauty is in stark contrast to a different kind of beauty we hear about this evening. Hundreds of years before Jesus was ever born, the prophet Isaiah described a mysterious figure, a figure who would never be let close to the red carpets of the Oscars. He says this, he was despised and rejected by others, a man of suffering and acquainted with infirmity. And as one from whom others hide their faces, he was despised, and we held him of no account. New Testament authors uh, recognize this mysterious figure in the Old Testament, in Jesus, especially in his journey to the cross. At this point, he is particularly unattractive, unbeautiful. He had no form or majesty that we should look at him. And if you understand how merciless Roman scourging was, how the victim was tied degradingly low to the column with their back and their ribs and their shoulders exposed to the leather whips that were laced with sharp bone and iron so that it would tear the flesh away from the muscle. If you think about what that would do to someone's appearance, you can understand why the scriptures would describe Jesus as unattractive. But here's the paradox of Good Friday. The most unattractive one, beaten, bloody, bruised, and finally devoid of breath, turns out to be the most beautiful human being in all of history. But his beauty doesn't show itself in an artificially whitened smile or a Gucci tuxedo. It shines from the center of his being, where the divine love pulses for humanity willing to go to any length to draw his wandering children back home. His beauty shines as he's neglected by his closest friends in the Garden of Gethsemane in a moment of great anxiety and fear. His beauty shines as he keeps silent, bearing the mockery and brutal violence of his oppressors. His beauty is not celebrity beauty, but one born of the great discomfort, poverty, and abandonment he suffered for you, And for me. So here's a question to ask on Good Friday. How can something so grotesque as the death of Jesus become beautiful to us? How can it become beautiful to us? There's two things. Two things that we have to recognize for the death of Jesus to be beautiful to us. And the first is this. The first thing we have to recognize is our personal complicity in the death of Jesus. You see, it's easy to point at Pontius Pilate and the chief priests and the soldiers and the crowds that demanded his death. It's easy to point at their complicity. But friends, it's not so easy to own up to our own complicity. But every time you've lied to make yourself look better, every time that you have retaliated against someone with spite, every time 
that you have ignored a person in need because of your own selfishness. You've proven that there is a noticeable gap between what you are and what God intends you to be. And the fact that you and I are on the wrong side of that barrier, enslaved by sin, meant that Jesus had to die to do something about it. Again, Isaiah reminds us, all we like sheep have gone astray. We have all turned to our own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. This kind of truth is hard to hear, for me too. But if we don't own up to this, the cross of Jesus will be nothing but a vague symbol, devoid of meaning, a symbol that we wear on necklaces, but that doesn't radically change the way that we live. That's the first thing we have to recognize, our own complicity. But the second thing that we have to recognize is this. Despite all of that, God loves you. Despite all of that, God loves you. Despite the state of rebellion that you and I find ourselves in, God loves us. One of my favorite verses in the New Testament, one of the most powerful verses in the Bible, God proved his love for us in that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. The order there is important. While we were sinners, Christ died for us. Those degrading insults he received in silence, that's God proving his love for you. Those awful lashes, that's God proving his love for you. Those nails being driven into his hands, that's God proving his love for you. And all that while we were still sinners. So often I see Christians uh, with the mindset of, well, I've got to clean my life up. I've got to get things back together. Then I can start going to church again. I've got to do more for God. And then I'll be acceptable to God. Friends, nothing could be further. Nothing could be more antithetical to the gospel of grace. Because it's actually when you realize that you're at the lowest and most broken point in, a, in unable to do anything about your situation that the cross of Jesus Christ and the undeserved mercy of God will be something of value to you. Here's the thing. Christianity is the only religion where you can look at its God, beaten and mocked on trial, hanging up there on a cross and say, look at what this God did for me before I could even begin to consider loving him and serving him. That's beautiful. You see why the crucifixion of Jesus is the most beautiful thing in the world? Because when we look at it, we see the unshakable love of God, resolutely committed to our salvation. And when that becomes beautiful to you, the glowing smiles of celebrities, the red carpets, the designer clothing, and all of the allure of worldly beauty will as the song says, begin to grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Let us pray. Gracious Lord, you became hideous so that our hideousness could be cleansed once and for all. Your body was broken on account of our brokenness. 
Tonight we sit in the darkest hours, watching what the vicious power of sin does to its victims. And we're painfully aware that you became its victim so that we wouldn't have to. Give us the strength to endure with you the pain of death to self, to throw our arms around your cross, clinging to it as our only life source, awaiting with hope the life that is to come.